Okay, chapter seventeen. This is basically in the movies where Ron was bitten by scabbers and they were dragged down the Wamping Willow and through the roots, you know, and leading them to the Shrinking Shank, and yeah, the, and then the whole confrontation with Sirius Black, Lupin. But of course, in the books, the conversation are longer, and there is some slight changes, slight difference between movie and books. I'm not sure why they change in that way. For example, Hermione said some of Ron's line, slight changes. Just yeah, wait till you hear it. I personally prefer the books version; it's just more touching. So let's hear it. This is right after they they thought they have seen Buckbeak being axed, right? So they were pretty much devastated, and it was described as Harry's mind has gone blank with shock, and the Ron's got a face like paper white. And Hermione's breathing was shallow and uneven. Every word come out of their mouths is kind of like the teeth seem to be chattering. They set off back towards the castle, walking slowly to keep themselves hidden under the invisibility cloak. They still would try not to be spotted. Time-wise, by the time they reached open ground, darkness was was settling. Then Scabbers bit Ron. We know that already, but it wasn't just bit him and run towards Wamping Willow like in the movies. Here it's like bit him, but Ron still had a grip on Scabbers. By this time, Crookshanks was here. So because Crookshanks was here, then Scabbers just break free, slipped between Ron's clenching fingers, hit the ground, and just scampered away. And in one bound, Crookshanks sprang after him. Ron just thrown the invisibility cloak off himself and pelted away into the darkness. Go after Scabbers and Crookshanks because it was impossible to run. Uh, in the darkness with the invisibility cloak, so they all basically just threw it open and run. Eventually, Ron did catch、uh, Scabbers. He had both hands held tight over the pretty guru. <laughs> we all we all know that, right? So、uh, Hermione just like, come on, come back under the cloak, Dumbledore and Fudge. They will be coming back. You know, when they finish the axing, the execution, they would coming up through this road as well, go back to the castle. So they're like urging Ron come back under the invisibility cloak. But before they could cover themselves again, before they could even catch their breath, they heard the soft. Pounding of a gigantic pulse. What's that? A serious black. It's described as an enormous, pale-eyed, jet-black dog. Okay, you've got to listen to this. Such perfect description. Such vivid depiction of the whole scene. So first, Harry reached for his wand, but too late. The dog had made an enormous leap, and the front paws hit him on the chest. He killed over backwards in a whirl of hair. So it's like the dog holding him, and he could even feel the hot breath and saw the teeth. But the force of its leap had carried too far. It rolled off him, and then Harry tried to stand up, but he could hear its growling as it. Like prepare for a new attack, and Ron, being a hero, like was on his feet. As the dog sprang back towards them, he pushed Harry aside. The dog's jaw fastened instead around Ron's arm. Actually, we get to see a lot of the three of them fighting together. It's like you know, Harry tried to push somebody away for Ron, and Ron would do that for Harry. And Hermione was like, you know, talking. So when Ron's arm was bitten and Harry launched forward, he seized a handful of the brute's hair. So Harry is trying to grab the dog's hair, but. The dog was dragging Ron away as easily as Ron was just some doll. In the movies,、uh, Ron was just like Harry, right? And they were heading by Wamping Willow. Here, it described as 
as Harry tried to chase after them, and then out of nowhere, something hit Harry so hard across the face, he was knocked off his feet again, and also he heard Hermione shrink with pain and fall too, and then Harry grabbed the wand and said, "Lumos," because he can't see anything, and the wand lights. Showed him that the trunk of a thick tree. Of course, they had chased Scabbers into the shadow of the Wamping Willow, and its branches were cracking and attacking and just whipping backwards and forwards to stop them going nearer. You know, in the movie, Ron was grabbed by the leg. That's why his leg was hurt. But here, it's it's like this. Listen. So at the base of the trunk was the dog. Dragging Ron backwards into a large gap in the roots, Ron was fighting furiously. So he was fighting, but his head and torso were slipping out of sight. Ron! Harry shouted. But anyway, Ron was still fighting, right? And almost at the like the hole, the entrance of the roots, <laughs> that place, and they heard a horrible crack, cut the air like a gunshot. Ron's leg had broken. And a moment later, his foot vanished from sight. I guess it's like the dog dragged Ron by the arm, and then dragged him all the way to the trunk. But Ron, all the while, was fighting and struggling, trying to break free, and he couldn't. Eventually, at the entrance by the roots, his leg just hit something. I think just crack, and it's broken. It must hurt like shit. Hermione was bleeding too. The Wamping Willow had cut her across the shoulder. I must mention in the movies, it definitely tried to put Hermione at this really brave,、uh, instead of Ron being the one to fight back. So wait to see. Wait until you see later. Here you can see how Harry's logic works because Hermione is like, we've got to go for help. There is no way we can fight this thing. It's big enough to eat him. Harry was no, yeah, it's big enough to eat him. We we don't have time. We haven't got any time. And also, how could they get in? Harry panted and said, if that dog can get in, we can. That's good thinking, right? As Hermione whispered frantically, like "Help, help, please!" and then Crookshanks here. Crookshanks darted forward. He slithered like a snake, placed his front paws upon a knot on the trunk. This is like a switch, and all of a sudden, abruptly, as though the tree had turned to marble, it stopped moving. Not a leaf twitched or shook. Of course, Hermione was so confused, but Harry was like, "He's friends with that dog." I've seen them together. Come on, and keep your wand out. So it's not instead of like in the movies, you were thrown in by the Wamping Willow. Here is Crookshanks has some sort of switch, like a knob on the trunk, and they walk in when the Wamping Willow stopped moving. And the rest of the journey into the hole is Harry and Hermione follow. Crookshanks, like Crookshanks, slid into it, and Harry went next. And then seconds later, Hermione slithered down beside him. And unlike in the movie, they just climb out that trapdoor and in shrinking shack. Here they walked a long way. We did remember something like it's marked on Marauder's map, but Fred and George said no one's ever gotten into it. One of the secret passage, and it goes off the edge of the map, and it looked like it ends up in Hogsmeade. They just moved as fast as they could. Bent almost double ahead of them, Crookshanks' tail bobbed in and out of view. So they just basically followed Crookshanks' tail. For Harry, it felt at least as long as the one to Honeydukes, but he couldn't think about anything else. It's just like what this enormous dog might be doing to Ron, and he was drawing breath in sharp, painful gasps, and just like running at the crouch.
It's a long way, but finally it started to go up, and they appeared in a room, and it was described as very disordered, dusty room. Paper were peeling from the walls. There were stains all over the floor. Every piece of furniture were was broken, as if somebody had smashed it. The windows were all boarded up. Harry glanced at Hermione, who looked very frightened, but nodded. Yes, we are in shrinking shank. There's also a hallway. They just followed the hallway, and they saw a wooden chair near them. Large chunks had been torn out of it, and Harry just said slowly, "Ghosts didn't do that." <laughs> at that moment, there was a crank overhead, just like in the movie. They heard something moved upstairs. Both of them looked up at the ceiling. Hermione just grabbed his arm so tight that he was losing feeling in his fingers. Just like two best friends go to haunted mansion, <laughs> that kind of experience. So they slowly moved on up. Quietly as they could, they crept out into the hall to climb the staircase. Everything was covered in a thick layer of dust except the floor, which means there are people walking here. They did something smart again because when they reached the black landing, they said "knocks," and then the lights at the end of the wand went out. They saw a door, and Harry kicked the door wide open. Inside, it was described on a magnificent four-poster bed, with dusty hangings lay Crookshanks, Perry, and on the floor beside him, clenching his leg, which stuck out at a strange angle, was wrong.、Uh, that leg must hurt like like bitch. Same in the movie, Ron just like, it's there, it's a trap. He's the dog. He's an animagus, and we see Sirius Black. It's exactly like in the movies. Told you, perfect casting. So, a mass of filthy mated hair hung to his elbows. He might have been a corpse if eyes hadn't been shining out the deep, dark sockets. The waxy skin was stretched so tightly over the bones of his face, it looked like a skull. His yellowish, yellow, no, not yellowish, just yellow teeth were barred in grain. It was serious black. Expelliarmus. He croaked. Once you've got to remove the weapons first. So Harry and Hermione's wands shot out of their hands, high in the air, and the black caught them. Especially like this, when Black started to talk, his voice sounded as though he had long since lost the habit of using it. It must like I thought, <coughs> I thought. <laughs> Joking. So they are catching up, but it's a little bit dragging, I think. Because I guess because we've known now on rereading, we've known what's going on. So I stop chatting. Let's get to the real bad guy. But if if you read this part for the first time, it would be really nice, really nice action scene. So who's the bad guy? Oh, it's not. It's such a twist in the end. Like you got me, J.K. Rowling. So anywho. He started to say, "I thought you would come and help your friend run here. Your father would have done the same for me. Brave of you not to run for a teacher. I'm grateful. It will make everything much easier." And Harry wouldn't have it, right? Just mentioning his father like this. This just make us know Harry's inner self, his mind better. I think it's still necessary. But for the first time in his life, he wanted his wand back, not to defend, but to attack, to kill. This is actually very significant. For a boy to want to kill somebody, even though he had every reason to, but still, that kind of emotion is too way too strong. So it's quite significant. Without knowing what he was doing, you know, you would be out of your minds. 
He wanted to charge forward, but Ron and Hermione grabbed him. And this line was belong to Ron, but in the movie it belongs to Hermione. Hermione said this. It's like if you want to kill Harry, you have to kill us too. And this is Ron said this in the book. And hearing this, something flickered in Black's shadowed eyes, and he said quietly to Ron, "Lay down. You will damage that leg even more." It's like he was trying to care for him, but Ron didn't get it. He was like, "Did you hear me? You have to kill all three of us." And then Black just kept laughing. His grin widened and said, "There will only be one murder here tonight." It's like in the movies. Why is that? Harry is still in that furious mode, and he was like, "You killed. He killed my mom and dad." It was like so. Harry break free from Ron and Hermione's grip, just charges forward. He had forgotten about magic. He had forgotten about he was a short, skinny, and thirteen-year-old boy, whereas Black was tall and full-grown man. All Harry knew was that he wanted to hurt Black as badly as he could, and he didn't care how much he got hurt in return. But Black actually didn't defend himself much, so they just basically been rolling on the floors. <laughs> Hermione was screaming, Ron was yelling, Harry just clung on his. One hand clung on the other one, just punching every part of Black it could find. When Black's free hand had found Harry's throat, it's like, no, I've waited too long. And when the fingers tightened, Hermione finally charged. Ron had a broken leg, so Hermione has to go out to help Harry. So Hermione's foot swung out of nowhere, and Black let go of Harry with a grunt of pain. Now Ron also joining the fight, throw himself on Black's wound hand, and then Harry finally fought free of the tangle of the bodies, <laughs> just everybody on everybody, and then saw his own wound. He tried to grab, he he tried to throw himself towards the wound, but Crookshanks also joined the fight, and then. Cookshanks now darted towards Harry's wand as well. Just imagine in those police,、uh, those movie scenes where everybody was trying to fight and one of them tried to grab the knife or the gun. But of course, Harry got there first. You can't, you can't outrun cats. So Harry finally snatched his own wand and turned, and said he shouted at Ron and Hermione like, "Get out of the way!" They didn't need telling twice. As they were pulling away from Black, and Harry aimed his wand at Black, Hermione also scrambled aside, snatching up her. And runs once. Very important. Grab your weapons. So now Harry's wand pointing straight at Black's heart. Black whispered, "Going to kill me, Harry?" Exactly like a gun in the head. And they were just sort of going back and forth. Do I kill him or do I not? While Harry was hesitating, Crookshanks also leaped onto Black's chest and settled himself there, right over Black's heart. Black blinked and also looked down at the cat. Get off! Harry tried to push him, push the cat aside, but Crookshanks just so loyal to Black. It's like, I'm not going anywhere. You have to kill me with Black if you want. And at this moment, to their right, Hermione gave a dry sob. I think if Harry just trying to think, should he kill Black? It's more easy for him because he is a boy and he's really out of his mind now. But now Crookshanks was here. He just goes, what if he had to kill the cat too? It was in league with Black. If he was prepared to die, trying to protect Black, that wasn't Harry's business. If Black wanted to save it, that only proved that he cared more for Crookshanks than for Harry's parents. So Harry also raised the wand. Just the moment to avenge his mother and father, nothing would stop him. He was going to kill Black. He had to kill Black. This was his chance. But he didn't do it. Still, Harry stood frozen there, 
wand poised, black staring up at him. An eternity later, <laughs> it's kind of somebody do something. But then came a new sound. Miney just screamed suddenly, like, "We're up here! We're up here! Serious black, quick!" And the door burst open in a shower of red sparks, and Harry wheeled around as Professor Lupin came hurtling into the room. First thing first, he disarmed Harry's wand. So did the two Hermione was holding, all wands out of their hands. Lupin quickly checked the room, spoke in an odd voice, a voice that shook with some suppressed emotion. Where is he, Sirius? There is some exchange between Lupin and Black. Then we know Lupin didn't know they switched identity between the secret keepers. Only at this moment, Lupin knew Sirius Black was innocent, and it was Pettigrew, actually the culprit. The three of them basically watched, bewildered. It's like Professor Lupin walked to Black's side, seized his hand, pulled him to his feet so that Crookshanks fell to the floor, and embraced Black like a brother. And in the movies. Hermione screamed, "I don't believe it! I've trusted you. I didn't tell anyone. I've been covering up for you." This was the same in the books. Been trying to explain, like Hermione, listen to me, please. I can't explain, but they didn't give them chance. I mean, the student didn't give the two adults chance to explain to them. They just basically been accusing them of betraying and just all that thing. I trusted you、and、all the time. You've been his friend. And Lupin's like, "You're wrong. I haven't been serious friends, but I am now." Let me explain.、And、Hermione just like no, don't trust him. He's been helping Black get into the castle. He's a werewolf. And there was a ringing silence. Everybody just looked remarkably calm, though rather pale. Again, we've already know that, so you didn't feel the shock. If you have read this for the first time, you will feel the shock. Everybody, it's like, uh, Lupin was a werewolf. And then Lupin said first, it's like, okay, not at all up to your usual standards, Hermione. You know, usually Hermione is right all the time, but here, not all. Only one out of three. You're right. I have not been helping Sirius get into the castle, and I certainly don't want Harry dead. But I won't deny that I am a werewolf. And Ron tried to stand up, and but fell again. Lupin tried to help him, and then he said, "Ron said, 'Get away from me, werewolf!'" <laughs> Lupin stopped dead. I guess it's quite hurtful, actually. It's like, okay, now I'm a werewolf. You all hate me now. You, I was your favorite teacher, and because you know who I am, really, and you all hate me. I guess it hurt his feeling a little bit. So he asked Hermione, "How did you know?" And Hermione is like, "Oh, how long have you known? Ages." Hermione whispered, "Since I did Professor Snape's essay." Oh, Lupin said coolly, "He will be delighted." Sneaky Snape, <laughs> he assigned that essay, hoping someone would realize what my symptoms meant. See how J.K. Rowling planted everything. Remember when Harry was in Diagon Alley? People were checking the lunar charts, and here, so、uh, Lupin asked, "Did you check the lunar charts and realize that I was always ill?" At The full moon? Oh, did you realize that the baguette changed into the moon when it saw me? Both, Hermione said quietly. You are the cleverest witch of your age I've ever met, Hermione. I don't know. Hermione should be happy or feel flattered or whatever. But Hermione said, "I'm not. If I'd been a bit cleverer, I'd have told everyone what you are." But Lupin said, "They've already known. At least the staff." To Ron, pull out a one-liner again. Said, "Dumbledore hired you when he knew you were a werewolf. Is he mad?" I sometimes question that too. Is he mad? Always hiring all those weird sort of dada teachers. Then Lupin said, "Okay, some of the stuff or so, 
But Dumbledore had to work really very hard to convince certain teachers that I'm trustworthy. Harry's still yelling and still accusing him. But Lupin said again, "I have not been helping Sirius. If you will let me explain, give me a chance. Look." He separated Harry's, Ron's, and Hermione's wands and threw each back to its owner. It's like I gave you back your wands. Oh, you are armed. We are not. Will you listen? As he's sticking his own wand back into his belt, Harry didn't know what to think. Was it a trick? But he asked, "If you haven't been helping him, how did you know he was here?" Lupin said, "The Marauders' map. I was in my office examining it. Harry didn't know Lupin actually wrote the map." Lupin explained, "It's like, of course I know how to work it. I helped write it. I am Mooney. That was my friend's nickname for me at school." The important thing is, I was watching it carefully this evening because I had an idea that you, Ron, and Hermione might try and sneak out the castle to visit Hagrid before his hippogriff was executed, and I was right. I couldn't believe my eyes. I thought the map must be malfunctioning. How could he be with you? Then I saw another dot moving fast towards you, labeled Sirius Black, and I saw him collide with you. I watched as he pulled two of you into the Wamping Willow. I said angrily, "One of us, not two of us." But Lupin said, "No, I was right. Two of you." And he walked towards Ron. It's like, do you think I could have a look at the rats? Ron was like, "What? No. What Scarbers got to do with it? Everything." Said Lupin. "Can I see him, please?" Oh, Ron said again, holding Scarbers close to him, looking scared. "What's my rat got to do with anything? That's not a rat," croaked Sirius Black. "He's not a rat. He's a wizard, an animagus by the name of Pettigrew." Peter Pettigrew. That concludes chapter seventeen. Wang wang. Chapter eighteen. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Proms. Story time. Don't forget, this is still a children's book, so not like in the movies. I don't know which one you prefer. When the three of them, it's like it can't be true. Lupin just said calmly, like why can't it be true? As though they were in class, and Hermione had simply spotted a problem in an experiment with Grindelwald. <laughs> so they start to tell the story, as we are just like children reading the children's book. Nothing dangerous, and it was quite good to get some background story of Lupin's. And I, I'm telling you, Lupin actually got such a wonderful sub. Plot storyline. Just listen and find out. So, anywho, after a moment of silence, Ron says that Black and Lupin are mental, and Harry agrees. And Harry points out that Black killed Pettigrew twelve years ago. So, how could Pettigrew being alive and being Scarbers? This is just ridiculous. I guess the amount of absurdity is just too much for the children to believe. It still feels too dragging for them to ask so many questions, and.、Uh, I think it's just the same feeling when you ha- when you are giving a class and the children just won't stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> I'm with Sirius Black actually. Sirius Black here just long just for Scarbers. It's like I've been waiting for as long as twelve years. I'm gonna kill him. Just let me do it. But Lupin holds him back and insists that Harry, Ron, and Hermione needs to understand, have the right to know the whole story. Finally, Black stops struggling and agrees. Ron tries to pull himself up and leave, but Lupin. Insists he should stay and hold on to Peter or Scarbers. I guess you could argue that the trio needs to fully understand what's going on again, just to show how people think, how J.K. or Lupin believes that they are fully capable of handling this sort of information like adults. So they need to get the full story. Firstly, Lupin said, "Everyone thought Sirius killed Peter. I believed it myself until I saw the map tonight. Because Marauder's map never lies. Peter's alive." 
Ron's holding him, Harry. As Harry and Ron's eyes met, they agreed silently. Black and Lupin were both out of their minds. Their story made no sense whatsoever. And Hermione said something made Harry barely had time to marvel inwardly at the effort Hermione put into her homework. Can't be true because because people would know if Peter Pettigrew had been an animagus. We did animagi in class with Professor McGonagall. So I've learned it, and I looked them up when I did my homework. The Ministry of Magic keeps tabs on witches and the wizards who can become animals. And I went and looked Professor McGonagall's up on the register, and there had been only seven animagi for this century, and Pettigrew's name wasn't on the list. I'm truly impressed, Hermione. You are great. I mean, on the one hand, we could see oh, just innocent Hermione, but for a children, a girl of thirteen years old, you still. Insisted on the Ministry of Magic was right. There is a ministry, but you don't believe. You wouldn't believe the ministry would hold absolute truth if they tell you there are only seven animagi. There are seven. You shouldn't have any unregistered animagis out there. Lupin was laughing and said, "You're right, Hermione. Right again." But the ministry never knew that there used to be three unregistered animagi running around Hogwarts. At this moment, Black snarled, "Like if you're going to tell them a story, get a move on." He can't wait. He's like, "I've waited twelve years. I'm not going to wait much longer." And at this moment, there had been a loud crack behind him. The bedroom door just opened of its own accord. All five of them stared at it. Lupin strode towards it and looked out into the landing. I think at this moment, Lupin already knew that Snape was here, and Snape was under the invisibility cloak. But he said, "No one there." And then Ron said, "This place is haunted." And Lupin starts to tell his own story. I think Lupin wants Snape to be there to listen. It's not. It's not haunted. The shrinking shank was never haunted. The screams and howls the villagers used to hear was made by me. That's where all of this starts with my becoming a werewolf. None of this could have happened if I hadn't been bitten. I tried to interrupt, but Hermione said, "Shh." She shushed him. Just wrong. Just like it's story time. Shut up. So Lupin said, "I was a very small boy when I received the bite. My parents tried everything, but in those days there was no cure. The potion that Professor Snape has been making for me is a very recent discovery. It makes me safe. You see, as long as I take it in the week preceding the full moon, I keep my mind when I transform. I'm able to curl up in my office, a harmless wolf, and wait for the moon to wane again. This feels so much like some sort of disease, some sort of virus. Before, when you catch it, and people would be scared of you and try to stay away from you. And at the time, there was no cure. The looping, the young looping, developed this sense of. Inferiority, and until Dumbledore became the headmaster, and he was so sympathetic, he said, "As long as we took certain precautions, there was no reason I shouldn't come to school." And the Wampling Willow was planted the year Lupin came to Hogwarts. The truth is that it was planted here because Lupin came to the Hogwarts. This house, the Shrinking Shank, the tunnel that leads to it—they were built for my use, for Lupin's use. So once a month, Lupin was smuggled out of the castle into this place to transform. The tree was planted at the tunnel mouth to stop anyone coming across me while I was dangerous. So the wolf. Werewolves are very dangerous to humans. At this point, Harry just like I couldn't see where this story would go, but he was listening rapidly all the same. Lupin keep going like my transformation in those days were very terrible. It was 
very painful to turn into a werewolf. I was separated from humans to bite, so I bit myself. I scratched myself instead. The villagers heard the noise and screaming and thought they were hearing particularly violent spirits. So they're like, "Oh, there are ghosts in the shrinking shanks." That's why it's called shrinking shanks. And Dumbledore even encouraged that. It's like, "Yes, there are ghosts there. Don't go anywhere near that." So even now, it's like after so many years, this house has been abandoned, has been silent for years. The villagers don't dare approach it. But apart from my transformation, I was finally be able to first time in my life be able to have friends. I had friends, three great friends: Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew, and of course Harry, your father, James Potter. But still, there is one day. Every month, once a month, I would、uh, secretly disappear. At the beginning, I made up all sorts of stories, tell them my mom's ill, or I had to go home to see her. Because young Lupin was scared, what if they know and they would also stay away from him? They would desert him the moment they found out what he was. But of course, they like you, Hermione. Worked out the truth, and it turns out they didn't desert me at all. Instead, they did something for me that would make my transformations not only bearable, but the best times of my life. They became animagi. Of course, animagi is really complicated magic. It took them the best part of three years to work out how to do it. But your father and Sirius here were the cleverest students in the school, and lucky they were. Because animagi, animagus transformation can go horribly wrong. Long story short, already too long story. Finally, in their fifth year, they managed it. All of them can turn into different animal at will. So they just keep him company, you know. They couldn't keep him company as humans. They keep him company as animals because werewolves are only a danger to humans, but they are not dangerous to other animals. So they know all the secrets together. Four of them, they would go out the castle every month under James' invisibility cloak. They transformed Peter as the smallest would transform into a rat or some sort of thing, and would touch the knot, you know, the switch on the willow that freezes it, and then they could slip. Down the tunnel and join me, join Lupin. And under their influence, I became less dangerous. My body was still wolfish, but my mind seemed to become less so. So I was with them. So as we can see, what Sirius, Peter, and James did for Lupin was the ultimate acts of friendship and sacrifice. As they made the worst times of his life into the best. This also shows Lupin's the power of friendship could turn out to be some horrible werewolves. Hurting people and all that, less human, but because of the friendship, because of the three of them, made him less wolfish. It just goes to show, even your lowest points, it will make days and years much easier with friends. But at this point, snout black again, it's like, hurry up. So、uh, Lupin was also telling them that even though this was all good in the beginning, but soon. They are just boys, you know, mischievous, and they were leaving the shrinking shank and roaming the school grounds and the villages by night. So the four of them had found out so much more than all the other Hogwarts students of Hogwarts grounds and Hogsmeade, and that's how they came to write the Marauders map and sign it with their nicknames. Sirius is Padfoot, Peter is Wormtail, James was Prums. And Lupin was Mooney. Harry definitely wants to know what sort of animal his father is, but Hermione cut him off, and said that was really very dangerous. Running around in the dark with a werewolf. Hermione is like Professor McGonagall, always reason, always ask the reasonable question, like what if you bite somebody? You know, what if you giving the others the slip? 
and beaten somebody. And then Lupin was like a guilty boy, and like yeah, a thought that still haunts me. And there were near misses, many of them. We laughed about them afterwards. We were young. Thoughtless, carried away with our own cleverness, and he goes to say how sometimes he feel guilty about betraying Dumbledore's trust. Of course, I could skip this part, but I thought Harry must feel the same. So he had admitted me to Hogwarts when no other headmaster would have done so, like for werewolf students, and he had no idea I was breaking the rules. You know, Dumbledore was setting down a lot of rules for all the students' safety. And Lupin was breaking them because, for one, becoming an magi is illegal, especially goes unregistered, and also they are they are sneaking out the castle at night. But also, Lupin was saying, "I forget, I forget of my guilty feelings every time the four of us sat down to plan our next month's adventure." So I haven't changed. I think this part he was saying mostly to. Snape, he said, all this year I have been battling with myself, wondering whether I should tell Dumbledore that Sirius was an Animagus, but I didn't do it. Why? I guess because I was too cowardly. It would have meant admitting my own betrayal, admitting that I'd betrayed his trust while I was a student at Hogwarts, admitting that I'd led others along with me, and Dumbledore's trust had meant everything to me. He led me into Hogwarts as a boy, and he gave me a job when I had been shunned all my adult life, unable to find paid work. Because of what I am, so I just sort of convinced myself that Sirius was getting into the school using dark arts he learned from Voldemort. It's not because being an animagus. So just being an animagus had nothing to do with that. So in a way, Snape's been right about me all along. So I think definitely this whole part was saying was speaking to Snape. Right now, Snape was in the room with them, invisibly. Because under invisibility cloak, hearing Snape's name, Sirius Black just said harshly, "Snape, what's Snape got to do with it?" I guess Sirius Black didn't know Snape was teaching at Hogwarts as well, and Snape has been telling Dumbledore that Lupin cannot be trusted, and for that, Black just gave a derisive noise. To the children, Lupin explained that once Sirius told Snape how to get into the Wampum Willow, and James learned what happened and saved Snape. Black said in a derisive noise, "It's like it served him right, sneaking around trying to find out what we were up to, hoping he could get us expelled." Don't you think history always repeats itself, right? Just like Malfoy, Snape was also trying to get them expelled. But Lupin is a better storyteller to the children, so he turned around, explained. Snape Severus was very interesting. Where I went every month. We were in the same year, you know, and we didn't like each other very much. He especially disliked James, jealous, I think, of James' talent on the Quidditch field. Anyway, Snape had seen me crossing the grounds with Madame Pomfrey one evening, as she led me towards the Wampum Willow to transform. And Sirius Black here thought it would be amusing to tell Snape all he had to do was prod a knot on the tree trunk with a long stick, and he'd be able to get in after me. Well, you know what would happen if he did. Then Lupin would turn into a werewolf and would attack Snape, which would be a disaster. And it did turn into a disaster almost, only saved by James Potter. So Snape did went after Lupin to the Wampum Willow, but James got there just in time to. 
pull him back. So that's the story of how James Potter saved Snape's life. But Snape did get a glimpse of Lupin turn into a werewolf. But he was forbidden by Dumbledore to tell anybody. Naively, Harry asked, "So that's why Snape doesn't like you? Because he thought you were in on the joke?" "That's right," snared a cold voice from the wall behind Lupin. Severus Snape was pulling off the invisibility cloak, his wand pointing directly at Lupin. <laughs> That concludes this chapter. From now on, every chapter just ends at a cliffhanger. Wonderfully. Before we move on to the next chapter, I just want to add something. As the story, the plot goes on. Now we do know more about the background story about what happens many years ago. We get to see more layers about each teacher, each professors. It is a chapter about Wormtail, Padfoot, Mooney, Proms, but it's also about the truth came out about the trick that the group played on Snape about the misses. When they could have hurt innocent people, when they were shouting about Hogsmeade and Hogwarts grounds, you know, and so it just begins clear that even though Black is beginning to shift to being a good guy, quote unquote, he does have a dangerous stroke that affects whether or not people will trust him. But it does make his character more charming, multi-layered. You can't be a pure good guy. You have to have flaws, and especially when Sirius Black is so handsome, right? He's such a one of my favorite character in this whole series.